Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Chaos. Anybody know about chaos? Ever come knocking on your, your door? The dictionary defines chaos as disorder, as disarray, as disorganization, as confusion, as mayhem, as havoc, and as turmoil. Um, Max Lucado said, we are the country of stars and stripes, but today we're the country of anxiety and strife, that people are overwhelmed, and that chaos has come. I want to talk to you in this first part of the message. I was going to call this a sermon, I was going to call it a teaching, but I'm going to call it a seminar, uh, kind of seminar and sermon together. The first part of this message, I'm indebted to Pastor Rick Warren for some of these points, and then uh, I'll get to some of the Bernie Fetterman points. But uh, when you go through times of chaos, you must ask yourself this question, number one, did I cause it? Now, not everybody's willing to ask this question, but I think this will help you. And if not today, file this, because at some point, you're going to need it. A friend of yours is going to need this. Um, if you're a parent, I promise you, your kids will need this at some point. If you're a grandparent, uh, yeah, they're all going to need this. Because uh, Galatians 6-7 says, a man reaps what he sows. Um, some people like to say what goes around, uh, comes around. Yeah. If you put it in the ground, it's coming back out. Yeah, if you, you plant marigolds, you're going to get marigolds, not lettuce. If you plant lettuce, you're not going to get you know, broccoli, whatever you put in the ground's going to come back out. And oftentimes we're afraid to ask the question, did I cause this? The second thing is to ask yourself, what can I learn from it? If you're going through a season of chaos or have been through one in the past, to ask yourself the question, uh, what do I need to learn from this. What's God trying to teach me here? What character changes do I need to make? Otherwise, we'll repeat the same class over and over again. And some of you have seen people repeat the same challenges all the time. And you go, you see it, don't you? You go, but if they would just go this way instead of that way, um, you know, they're, they're always in financial difficulties, and you'd go, if they just got a budget and stopped spending so much. You see it. They don't see it, or they don't want to own up to it. They don't want to learn from what they're going through. Sometimes, um, if, if God wants to teach you something, he'll give you the exact opposite. If he wants you to, to bear fruit, let's say the fruit of love, he'll put you around unlovely people. Huh? If, if he wants to, to, to teach you patience, the book of Romans says he'll give you tribulation. Um, if he wants to teach you patience, he'll always have you find the shortest line. And you have to deal with, you know, patience. Thank God, number three, uh, in the situation. And the question is, how can I be grateful? I think a lot of times when we're going through difficult seasons and we want to rise above the chaos, one of the ways we rise above is through having a grateful heart. There's always something to be thankful for. There's always something to, to be grateful about. Um, you know, don't, don't be thankful for the chaos, you know. I mean, really, the chaos has come. I'm going to praise God. But look for places and spaces to give God thanks in all things. Um, I was reading, a, just in my own devotional life, reading about the 
Apostle Paul, and he wants to go to Rome and preach. And God sends him to Rome and throws him in prison. You want to talk about chaos? This is the Apostle Paul. I mean, if we're going to you know, rank Christians on earth, um, you know, Jesus way up there, right? Then the Apostle Paul um, would be up there somewhere too. And the Apostle Paul says, I just want to go to Rome and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and God says, I've got a great plan for you. I'm going to take you to Rome and throw you in a, in, a, in a dungeon, in a prison. But it was there that he writes the prison epistles. He, start, he, he writes some of the greatest New Testament books by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we, we, we could ever read. And so God used something that was chaotic to bring something beautiful in his life. And I think if you would really stop in that moment of Paul's life, you would hear him say, I, I give thanks to God for everything. Actually, he's the one that, that wrote that. Number four, don't miss the laughter. You know, Rick Warren um, talks a lot about laughing in the middle of difficult seasons. I had a friend many, many years ago who um, w was fighting cancer and the doctor prescribed him, uh, take three and call me in the morning, he wrote on the prescription. Uh, the three happened to be the three stooges. And this guy, um, this is, I'm dating the story. This guy went and bought every VHS tape he could find on the three stooges. And every morning and every night, he just laughed at those, excuse the word, knuckleheads, because that's what they called each other. And whoa, 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 whoa. Anyway, okay, so Proverbs 17, somebody goes, three stooges? Yeah, look them up. It's some archive somewhere. But uh, Proverbs 17, 22 says what? Let's read it. A cheerful is a good medicine. Yeah. In the middle of chaos or disappointing times or turmoil or struggle, to stop and to just laugh a little bit. And I'm just going to say this. America needs to laugh more. Laugh more, criticize less. Would that be good for us? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I just got criticized for that statement. But anyway, uh, number five, ask God to fill you with peace. Where am I allowing the chaos to rule my heart? Remember the box the last two weeks, the box of your life? What are you putting in your life? And whatever you put in your life starts to be your, your, your Lord if you're not careful. I love Isaiah 26.3. It's one of my favorite verses. Let's read it. You will keep in... Those whose minds are steadfast because they, they trust in you. So even when life is chaotic, you can have peace in your heart that rules your heart because you put your trust and your faith in God. And so what I want to do now, and again, thank you to Rick Warren, what I want to do now is, is just kind of talk to you about the first point. Did I cause the chaos? Did I cause the chaos? It really has to do with a phrase called owning your stuff. And, um, you know, we've all heard the old thing, when you, you point your finger this way, there's three pointing back at you. And to blame people is to be lame. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah. Psalm 62.2, David writes these words. Let's read them. God alone is my rock and my, my fortress. Now, now, notice what he says there. I will not be greatly shaken. He's not saying you will never be shaken. It was a song he's just singing, I shall not be shaken, you know. I shall not be moved, you know. Uh, well, I shall not be moved. Actually, there's a scripture that says, I'll be like a tree planted by the water, and, and I'll, I'll take my nutrients 
from the one side and I'll take my moisture from the other side and I will not be moved. I'm going to be solid there. But it doesn't mean that the tree's not going to shake. Uh, this, this, this phrase, I will not be greatly shaken, means we are going to shake. There are going to be things that are going to rattle our, our cage, but we're still going to be planted firmly upon the Lord. The stuff that comes against us is not going to move us in such a way that we're no longer with God, thinking about God, or that we lose our salvation. I will not be great, greatly shaken. I love this phrase. Now, I'm about to show you something that probably you've heard before, but, but this is the way that some people say it. Everything happens for a reason. Heard it? Yeah, well, look at this one. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is... <laughs> we'll just let, let that... Laughter is a good medicine. Let that kind of sink in. Um, now, I doubt many of you would say this about yourself. Yeah, they're really stupid, and they made bad decisions. But isn't it true that sometimes we... we we are stupid, and I know this is not politically correct. I know this is not diplomatic. I get it. I get it. I didn't write this, okay? I didn't put this up on the side of the road, and we're not going to put this out in front of the church. <laughs> there are actually websites. Have you seen them? Stupid church signs? Yeah, misspelled words. Anyway, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. But isn't this true? Now, let's be real. This is not a just a sermon. It's like a seminar today, like a seminar and, and a sermon thrown together. Um, think about people in the Bible that would fit this. Um, would Samson fit this bill? Yeah. How about, how about Abraham, the father of faith, who has promised a son through his old barren wife, and rather than wait for the promise of God, he gets ahead of God and has an Ishmael moment. Right? Isaac, the son of problem. Ishmael, the son of doubt. The son of I can't wait. The son of impatience. Excuse my word. The son of chaos. That's who he is. But I think about David. King David, who writes, I will not be greatly shaken, who, who writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that a beautiful song? This is the dude, the man after God's own heart, the King David, who uh, in younger years took down Goliath, who established Jerusalem as the capital of his kingdom, who led Israel in the victorious battle, who wrote most of the book of the Psalms. This is the guy who one day is taking a walk around his upper deck uh, his roof. Now you have to understand, for people that had um, affluence and influence, they had these, these upper deck gardens and they would um, walk around them. They were like, you know, upper, just patios, roof patios. And he's walking one day and he sees a gal named Bath Sheba taking a bath. I always chuckle every time I bring that up. I mean, you know, her name could have been Susie Q, but her name is Bath, Bathsheba, and she's taking a bath, and it's late afternoon, and uh, he sees her, and he says, man. Now, instead of saying, Lord, I repent, right? 
He knows that her husband is one of his soldiers. He knows that she's married to him. And he sends for her. And um, somehow he seduces her. And uh, they sleep together, have a sleepover, pajama party, if you would, and I'm not going to get into details. And she comes and knocks on the door sometime later and says, uh, David, I need to speak to you. I'm pregnant. And you're the baby daddy. Huh? He's the king. He's the king. You want to talk about chaos? Her husband is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Uriah is engaged in battle, a battle that King David sent him to. Like, like, the, like the president, we're going to war now. We're going to go do this, we're going to go do that. And, and, and King David sends Uriah and the armies away. And then uh, David gives Uriah a sealed letter telling him to return home from the battlefield because David, listen to this, David's hoping that Uriah will come home from his being deployed and reconnect with his wife and everybody will say, Uriah's the baby daddy. Come on. Off the hook. But it backfires because Uriah is committed to doing the right thing, not committed to chaos. Now, come on. Come home to the battlefield, Uriah. Your wife's waiting for you. She's pretty. I mean, come on. No, 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 no. I would be violating my oath of of war, so I'm not going to go sleep with my own wife. Wow. So, fast forward the story. The chaos gets, the plot thickens. The chaos gets deeper, doesn't it? David thinks he's gotten away with this. But he has this plan. I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll send a letter to the general and tell the general to, to engage in battle. And then everybody will come back, general, except for Uriah. That way he will die. So we go from lusting for another man's wife to adultery, to having her be pregnant, to murdering Uriah. You see how this goes? Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. And everybody that's ever veered away from God knows exactly what I just said is true. I'm only going to go this far. Yeah, right. We're only going to do this much, right? It's like on a date when you were a kid. Hello. Yeah, we're only going to cuddle. Yeah, sure. Alone in the dark in the backseat of a car. Right. Quiet in here. Some of you, (laughs) either you never went that route or you are too old to remember. But anyway, so how do we rise above self-inflicted chaos? That's what was happening here. You know, Proverbs 11, 5, Solomon writes to us and says, the wicked falls by his own wickedness. You got to own your stuff. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to ride my hobby horse for about 90 seconds. And when you ride your hobby horse, it only goes downhill, right? I just get so tired of people who want to blame everybody else for the stuff they created. Don't you? You know, I've done some stuff in my life, and I I had to own it. 
But I was tempted to, let's blame, you know, let's blame the parents, let's blame the government, you know. Um, right now, there's, 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 you know, little league sports going on, and they're getting ready to sign up for football, and we just came out of basketball. And Do you know how many parents just think their kid's a superstar? I was standing by watching my grandson play, and there's one mom giving the coach, by the way, he's a volunteer coach, he doesn't get paid, giving him a piece of her mind. I wanted to say, stop giving away pieces of your mind, there won't be anything left pretty soon. My son needs to die. And the coach said in kind words, your son rarely comes to practice. When he comes, he goofs off. He's an instigator of chaos in the dugout, but you want me to reward him. You know her comment was? He needs, he needs to be your star player. Lady, own your kid. Sorry, I'm, I'm done now. Own, own your kid. You, you see, somewhere, write, write this down. Just This will help you. What's rewarded is repeated. If you're a parent and you reward your kid and you reward your kid when there's bad behavior going on, what's rewarded is repeated. You create a culture where you can do whatever you want to do. Years ago, my, my son was given the assignment of taking out the trash and picking up after the dog. Not a big deal. And bring the paper in. That's when we used to get the paper. A real paper. Bring in the paper, take out the trash, once a week, mind you, the, the, the real trash to the curb, and then every day take the trash out to the trash cans and pick up after the dog. And you'll get an allowance. Now, you got to understand, he was in uh, ROP drafting. He played football uh, on the football team. He was involved in student government and, and, and he was on the you know, principal's list. So he, he, was, he was doing a good thing. He, yeah, he was busy. And I, after about three months, I thought, something's wrong here. I'm giving him allowance and I'm the one taking out the trash. And Debbie is the one picking up, see how we did that? I got the trash here. You got the dog, you know. And, and, and finally one night I sat on the end of the bed and I said, Brian, we have to have a a talk, and he goes, am I going to get another sermon? This is a pastor's kid anyway. And I said, yeah, starting next week, there'll be no allowance. Oh, man, you should have seen his face. Because he's putting money away in a car fund to buy a car. And he said, well, what's, what's, what's wrong? How, 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 because I'm doing the chores, and I'm rewarding you. See, what was rewarded was repeated. He was not doing the chores, but he was getting paid. Whose problem was that? I created that chaos. And I let them get away with it. So parents, take note. What's rewarded is repeated. You don't believe me? Just just let it it go. Well, they don't clean their room. I clean their room for them. What's rewarded is repeated. They're going to have a dirty room. So you stop cleaning their room. And then if they don't clean their room, just take all their stuff and get one of those pods. (laughs) Put all their belongings in the pod. Just give them a mattress and a little box with their clean underwear. And that's all they get. Things will change quick. Take away their video games, their cell phone privileges. Come on, their TV privilege. Things will change quick. People go, oh my God, he's a disciplinarian. Yes. Yes. I was disciplined greatly and I turned out just fine. (laughs) But isn't it true that the wicked falls by his own wickedness? So I have to own my stuff. I have to own my own chaos. And I have to, number one, this this is what I want you to hear. I have to confront the cause. If you got a Bible, Psalm 51 is where we're going to be this morning. 
I have to confront the cause. People say this, it's not my fault that I lost my temper, you provoked me. It's not my fault that I sinned, I was tempted greatly. It's not my fault that I spent so much money. I mean, all that marketing and all that product placement and advertising, I was overwhelmed. It's not my fault. If you're a Costco member, you'll understand this. It's not my fault I ran it for three items and ended up with one of those flat carts. <laughs> Sorry, it's one of our LFC members. I saw them there, and Debbie and I went in for our six items. We're very good with our budget. And this, this couple said, yeah, we came in for three items. <laughs> 681 bucks later. <clears throat> anyway, I hope they're tithers. Not my fault. I got reprimanded. I'm doing my best even though I drop the ball again and again and don't complete my assignments. Well, why, why is my supervisor, my commander, why is my boss so on me when I'm doing my best? Well, you're not getting your job done. It's not my fault I got lower grades in the class. The teacher never explains the assignments well enough, so I just don't do any of them. Huh? And we've already talked about my child should be the starter. See, refusing to acknowledge my role in the chaos only ensures that the chaos will continue because nothing ever changes. So when you're in the midst of a mess, I think the great question to ask is what role did I play in this? Now, Psalm 51, verse 3 and 4, David owns up to his stuff. And this is where we can learn from him. For I know my, notice that? Well, what do you see in that first day? I know, I understand, I discern. I've unpacked this season of my life. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Do you see how much personal pronoun is there? It's I, it's me, it's mine. I'm not blaming Bathsheba. I'm not blaming God. God, you made Bathsheba beautiful, it's your fault. Come on, Adam and Eve, the woman that you've given me. Do you see it? We are blamers by nature. Good morning. We are. But I've sinned against you and you only. In other words, the ultimate sin happens against God. I have sinned and done what's evil in your sight. This is honesty. Now, he says that because back in verse 1 and 2, if we jump up, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Boy, isn't that great? He, he appeals to the mercy of God, the greatness of God, the forgiveness of God. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Repentance, owning his stuff recognizing where he went wrong, not asking God to reward his bad behavior. See, you cannot unchaos, I don't think that's a word, but uh, it is in my dictionary, unchaos your life until you're ready to own up to your responsibility in everything that you're dealing with. Sometimes people say, you know, my life is, is up and down and, and I've got this issue and that issue, but where have you gone wrong? A, a true story, I talked with a lady in our community who was very upset because um, her neighborhood and, her, and our police department didn't do a better job for her. See, her car got broken into. Now, in the back seat was her um, iPad and also a really expensive running shoes and a workout outfit because she was drive in the afternoon to meet her friend, and she would change into this workout outfit, put on these really expensive running shoes, and, and go walk and run with her friend. 
So those were in the back seat. Those got stolen. The iPad got stolen. And in the glove box was her little wallet with all her credit cards, $108 in cash. And um, it all got stolen in the city that we love. Her car was unlocked. Which, by the way, most vehicle thefts in Vandenberg Village and Mission Hills in the city of Lombok um, happen with unlocked cars. Unlocked houses, windows, doors, back doors. Okay? Now, she could blame the cops for not patrolling more. She could blame the neighbors for not having surveillance cameras for her. She could blame the manufacturer of the car. But all I know is this. You need to lock your car. Now, some of you have cars where if you hit the fob, it locks everything, and that's great. Some of you have cars that actually lock themselves after you take the key out of the ignition and, and walk away, and boop, everything locked. You know what I do? I have four doors on my car. I check all four doors now. I don't want to trust Honda Corporation <laughs> or any neighbor or, you know, any, I, I just, I want to lock my car because if I lock my car, the chances of me getting broken into are minimized. So she wanted to blame everybody and everything until it finally came out that her car was, was left unlocked. Now, that's a long story. But think about your own life where things have happened where you know that you kind of sabotaged the mission. It wasn't somebody else to blame. The second thing is you have to correct your course. Yeah. Um, there's an old, old phrase that says, um, whenever we get off track, we have to correct back to the heart, the heart of why we serve, the heart of why we do ministry, the heart of God, the heart of worship. I mean, just, 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 just correct, correct back. Where did we go wrong? Where did we get off the rails? Some people use that phrase. Where did we you know, miss the guardrails? And then we ask these questions, what could I have done differently? And by the way, if you're a parent, this is great discussion stuff with your kids. Hey, what could we have done differently here, son? A daughter, a grandson, granddaughter, and what should we do now? What should I do now? Oh, this, this is great. This is great conversation stuff. And this takes the, the onus off of everyone else and puts it on you. Remember, when you, when you point your finger, there's how many pointing back at you? Three. And to blame people is to simply be lame. All right. Okay, good. Move on, pastor. Got it. Where did David's problem start? Some would say in his heart. You know where he was supposed to, he was supposed to be? 2 Samuel 11.1 1 says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to... He should have been on the battlefield with his troops. Instead, he's walking around his roof, checking out women. Ah, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he should have been with his troops. See, if you want to rise above the chaos of life, you have to minimize the chaos of life by doing the right thing. And here's something else, um, especially if you're into sports like football. Um, I think we had a picture of some guys. Yeah, there he is. You ever seen this? So this is the coach. He's talking to Mike. Doesn't want anybody to read his lips. And so it's third and 12. He doesn't have to guess at third and 12, what might we do? They already have plays and codes written out. 
It's not like, oh, what should we do? Uh, you know, go out deep, maybe not, you know. And sure, there's an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and somebody watching all the, the, the people and where they are on the field and they're, they're, they're sending them to their, you know, little, their, their little computers. They're sending them, you know, scenarios and showing them, hey, look at this and that. But, but when the clock is ticking and you've got a call in a plane, you, you've got a plan. So, so the question would be, do you have a plan you don't have to make a rash decision. Um, if you're married and you've been married any longer than, than, than 30 minutes, um, you know already what your spouse does. So when they throw out the XYZ, you, you got a plan ready. When you have a tendency to get angry or upset, have a plan ready. When there's something that, that, that goes on in your life, I mean, have a plan ready just like an official would do. And what could I do, or what could I have done differently last time? What should I do differently next time? And the third thing is, is very important, is you've got to have somebody who holds you accountable. And I still find this to be, um, you know, an age where churches and, and, and leadership is all about accountability, have people that hold you accountable. So few people have anybody who holds them accountable. Who gets to speak into your, your world? See, Nathan came to David and said, David, we've got a problem. Now, a lot of people teach that Nathan just actually, you know, walked into the palace and said, the Lord of the Lord is, you've been shitting out there. And no, no, Nathan was the palace prophet. He already had a relationship with David. And he comes in to speak to David and says, the Lord spoke to me about what you've been doing. And David says, yeah, you're right. See, if you're going to have somebody in your life that's going to help you grow, you need to have somebody in your life that's not real nice. I mean, there's, there's people we hang out with, we might, we might go to tacos with, we might go to a movie with, we might catch a ball game together, there's, there's people you might exercise with, people you might drink, you know, coffee together, or whatever else, and that's great. But if they're not people who, who say, uh, excuse me, I'm noticing something about you, then you're not going to grow above the chaos. Somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm seeing that you're not on your game. Somebody's saying, hey, I've watched your, your attitude, or I've been listening to what's coming out of your mouth lately, lately. You know, I've got people like that in my life, and I want to be honest. There's sometimes I don't like them. You know, my, my buddy Wayne Cadero, a lot of you guys like Wayne when he was here with his balloon and, and all that stuff. He's one of my guys. I don't like him sometimes when he emails me and asks me about, um, you know, how much I'm working. Am I taking a break? Or, or he asks me about my weight. I hate that. Hey, Bernie, are you taking care of yourself? You know, I don't. And then tell me how you are. Oh, really, knucklehead? I don't want to hear that stuff. Go back to Hawaii. Get out of my face. You know what I mean? You have people that look at you and say, here's what I see going on in your life. We need that. That's why I'm glad for small groups. You know, we have over 300 people at LFC who are participating in small groups now. That's, that's so remarkable. But it should be all of you. All of us should have people in our world, whether it's a small group here or, or, or uh, someone that you create, you've got to have people speaking. You have to choose a person of integrity. Galatians 6.1 says, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. You've got to have somebody spiritual in your life. 
Now, it doesn't mean they're perfect and they walk on water, but somebody who knows the word of the Lord, somebody who, who contends for the spirit of God in their life. And then you have to choose a person who's committed to you, a person who cares more about your holiness than your happiness. Someone who, who has the courage to say, the decision that you're making will ruin your holiness. The way that you're going will not help you. I like Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And you need a person who is equally accountable to you, that you can also cross-check. You don't want somebody to speak in your life all the time. But somebody that you can, you can, you can speak back to. Proverbs 27, 17, what does it say? Let's read it. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So this is a mutual sharpening. I get sharper when I'm with you, and you get sharper because of me. It's a reciprocal relationship. Now, before we end this, please file this. This will save you pain, I'm telling you. This will help you raise your family. This will help you become a better friend to somebody who's going through chaos. So David messes, messes up big time, right? But he was able to restore the chaos. He ends up marrying Bathsheba. Do not try this at home. This is not the way, and if you're a single dude, this is not the way to get a wife. I just thought I'd, adultery, murder, kid out of wedlock, not, not, not God's perfect will for anybody. But do you know who David and Bathsheba's son was? Solomon. He writes a book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, one of the wisest men who ever lived. And so somehow through the, the mess up and the chaos that David had, something, something beautiful came out of it. So when you're facing something really difficult, there's beautiful stuff that's going to happen around you. And when you get back on track, your, your story now becomes a testimony of the redemptive power of God and how you rose above even the chaos. It would be easy for us to say that we live in chaotic times, would it not? But my prayer for you is that you will be so connected to the heart of God, the will of God, and the word of God that you will not be greatly shaken. And you won't let, we've been talking about this, the outside storms become inside storms. So what do you need to confess to the Lord today? What do you need to own today? Everything happens for a reason, yeah? And sometimes the reason is you remember the rest. Where do I need to say? Maybe not you. Where do I, Lord, I was stupid there. I was unwise there. I blew it there. And now I'm paying a price or a consequence because of it. And here's what I know. God is a God of great redemptive power. If David was standing here, he would say, don't go my way when I created chaos, but, but go my way when I was redeemed and led a redemptive life. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.